Thank you for joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Rachel Bailey. I am on staff here at Creative, and I am just so incredibly honored to serve the vision that God has given our lead pastors, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Joanne. They are an amazing family and that have been called to serve his people. And they have just been such a huge blessing in my life and my husband's life. And um, we could not tell our stories without them. So I'm also glad that they believe in women in ministry. Amen, right? Um, I am a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a best friend. Um, and I am a lover of Jesus, like crazy in love with Jesus. And I said this first service and I caught some flack for it, but I'm going to say it again. No single man has done more for my life than Jesus. Poor Jason. Jason was like, I think I should be offended that you said that, but I can't be offended. (laughs) But it is out of this love for Jesus that it fuels my ability to do ministry. Um... But I want to talk to you today about persistence, okay? So the the definition of persistence is this. Continuing, okay, let's start that over. The definition of persistence is this. Continually firm, continuing firmly. Y'all, you try to say that three times fast and see how you do. Okay. Continuing firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Or it's continuing to exist or endure over a prolonged period of time. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a story about myself. Um, So in my we'll say mid to late 20s, my best friend was training to do a Tough mutter. Her and her husband were training. Now, I thought to myself, best friend, what would be a good way to support you? I know, I'll sign up too. You laugh, y'all already know, I do not participate in Tough Mudders. I am not the kind of girl who, do, who does these things. I enjoy watching from the sidelines and other people exert themselves while I can stay rested and with breath in my lungs, right? So I decided I'm supporting you. I'll sign up. Not only that, but I decided uh, I don't think that I need to train for this. Okay, so if you don't know what a Tough Mudder is, it is a 5K with obstacles. Okay? So not just like, oh, let me jump over a hurdle, but like 
It is scaling a wall. It is army crawling in the mud under barbed wire. It's swinging on a rope across a mud pit, all while running 3.2 miles. So I decided I don't need to train. This is not, I'm naturally gifted in athletics and I am just going to excel in this. Now, this particular Tough Mudder was scheduled at Buck Hill, which is a ski slope in like Burnsville or Egan or somewhere, okay? So it's like straight, to get to the top of the hill, you have to run straight up a hill. You have to run it. So here I am at the starting line waiting to go. And um, of course, my friend and her husband have trained. So the gun goes off and they zoom forward. And I have some speed. You know, don't let my height fool you. I do have a little bit of speed. So I'm like keeping up for like a couple minutes. And then I get halfway up the hill and I'm gasping for air and I'm falling on my knees already, and my best friend was faced with this thought of, do I stay and make sure she doesn't die, or do I run on? Because she's actually competing for time. So she ran on, I was like, go, leave me. Um, So she ran on, but her husband stayed with me to make sure that I didn't die, because he had to answer to Jason for, for my life. But we get to the top of the hill and I have to scale a wall. Y'all, I am 4'11 and three quarters. I have no business scaling a wall. So long story short, I will spare you the rest of the details, but I made it. And I'm alive today to tell you about it. But I crossed the finish line and I got my little raggedy old t-shirt because that's all they give you. And my muscles were sore for like three weeks. The kind of sore where, um, like if you've ever worked out your legs too much and you can't even sit down, so you have to hold the chair and sit down like that, that type of sore for three weeks. I had no business doing that. But it taught me something about myself. It taught me that I could endure in the face of trials, that I had persistence and endurance that it developed my character and I had grit. It also told me or taught me about bad preparation. (laughs) That is a story and a sermon for another time about how you actually do need to prepare for things. But persistence and in the face of obstacles and physical persistence is a good thing. You guys all agree with me. I can see on your faces that this is something that you would praise in an individual. That their grit and stamina and determination was to be celebrated. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says, We can rejoice too when we run into trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. So look at that. I had just endured this trial and now I am confident 
in my expectation of my future salvation, right? That's what the word says. The word says that it's a good thing and it builds that expectation of salvation when we endure trials. It makes us stronger. It develops us into the men and the women that God has called us to be. So in our lives, when we endure or remain persistent in the face of trials, our faith grows because we can look back and say, oh, look what I did. Or better yet, let's just be honest, look how Jesus carried me halfway up that hill and down again because there was none of me there. (laughs) But we get recognized for that faith and that miracle of trusting the Lord. Oh, this feels good, right? Yes, we can all make it. And then in Matthew 9, we see a story of two blind men. So it's Matthew 9, 27 through 31. And it reads, after Jesus left the girl's home. So now let me tell you who the girl was, side note. Uh, This is the girl where he raised her back to life, right? So it was, he went to the house and there were all the people that were mourning and crying out to the Lord because she had already died. And then when Jesus came in, he said, whatever, she's just sleeping. And they all laughed at him. But then he he raised her from the dead. Um, So after he left that girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him shouting, son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where Jesus was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you believe that I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. And suddenly they could see. I mean, come on, there is no better story in the Bible of talking about persistence and overcoming trials don't know if you noticed, but it said they were blind, right? So imagine yourself without sight, trying to follow a crowd and yelling, son of David, have mercy on us. But if you notice in scripture, something is lacking there. Jesus ignored them. He did not respond to their calls. He was basically, like, he could hear them. They were very loud and right behind him, and he's just walking along, and they're shouting, like, have mercy on us. And your Savior, my Savior, was like, "Eh," and just kept walking. So much so they followed him into his house. They followed him right into his house. And finally then, Jesus was like, do you believe that I can make you see? After all of that, following this crowd without sight to go and get their healing. This is how I want to chase my destiny. Amen? Come on. I don't like, I'm not seeing the path in front of me, but I'm going to just continue to follow the Lord when He doesn't seem to answer me, and I am going to get my miracle, my blessing, my healing. I'm going to get it. I need my deliverance. I need this persistent pushing. Oh, okay, but I have a challenge for you. Yo, 
all thought this was going to be a nice message on like, let's overcome. It's early in 2022. Yeah, we can do it. We can like press on. But I'm coming for you. It's going to get a little uncomfortable here. I'm going to throw a challenge out for you. Um, Do you feel that same surge of like tenacity? Do you feel that same surge when we talk about being persistent in prayer? Let's even go a step farther and say, what if you're praying the same prayer over and over and over and over and over and day and night you are crying out to the Lord and you need a breakthrough in something? but you don't hear it and you don't see it. That feeling right there, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that this morning. I know it feels uncomfortable, but trust me, when we get through this, it's for your benefit. What do you do when the Lord does not answer your prayer or if you don't see it? What do you do? That's where our standards are different. Here, we, if it was a physical challenge, we would say, well, just keep going. Get up and try again. We talk about it in our Christian walk. Like you're like a newborn baby learning how to walk and you fall down, but you get back up and you try again. And that we all cheer for. But when it comes to prayer and we're petitioning the Lord for things and we don't hear an answer, doubt creeps in. Doubt settles in your heart. And we doubt two things. We doubt the goodness of God. And we doubt our ability to pray. Let me tell you, we say things like, I prayed for healing and it didn't work. That's doubting the power behind your prayer. Or my faith must not have been big enough to heal that. We doubt the size of our faith. Or we say the Lord just didn't listen. Okay? Those are three typical areas that we doubt when it comes specifically to prayer. But let me tell you, like, you're not alone in this area. Has anyone done that? Yes, you can raise your hand. I'm being honest. I'm raising mine. Seriously, I begin to doubt like, oh man, I know so-and-so prophesied over me that I have the gift of healing, but I prayed for them to be healed and it didn't work. didn't happen. So then I doubt. But let's look at the word. Is that okay? Okay. Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Okay, so we can refute that doubt that God isn't listening, right? He hears the prayers of the righteous. Luke 17, 6 tells us that even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, You could say to this mulberry tree, may God uproot you and throw you into the sea, and it would obey you. Now, a mustard seed is small, like it's like the size of a period at the end of a sentence. It's tiny. And when you're praying for things, clearly your faith is bigger than that mustard seed, so it's not the size of your faith. 
And then in James 5, 16 and 17, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. And then look, look what it says in verse 17. It says, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. And then he prayed for rain and down it poured. The grass turned green and the crops began to grow again. So our prayers must hold power because it says so. So the word clearly refutes all of those doubts that try to creep in. So then why do they creep in? Like why, why do we still struggle with that area? I'll tell you why. Because prayer and reading the word of God are the two areas that the enemy will fight you in the hardest. The absolute hardest. If he can get you to doubt that the Lord hears you, you suddenly won't pray. And if you don't read the word of God, you won't have faith. Because it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So though, if he can get you to not read your Bible and to not pray, he has immobilized a generation of Christians. Let me tell you, the Lord has been on me for the last probably six to maybe even eight months about this topic in particular, that we as Christians are abdicating our spiritual authority. We have bought in to this lie of Specifically social media, because it sucks our time. Do you ever notice how you can go on your phone and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I just lost like an hour. How does that happen over nothing? What was I even looking at for an hour? It's the endless scroll. But what he's doing, and I'm not saying it's inherently bad. That's, hear me out. But if it, if it is taking your time, where you're not praying and you're not reading the word of God, then it is a tool that can be used by the enemy. That's why this 100-day challenge is so important. And we have cards uh, that we'll hand out at the, when you leave the building, and it just gives you what those 100 days are. 100 days of reading your Bible. It doesn't have to be long. It didn't say hours of reading your Bible. Read a verse a day for 100 days. It's 100 minutes weekly of praying. Do you know what that comes down to? 15 minutes a day. That's a car ride. Just talk to the Lord in the car. It's um, fast something, right? Start tithing if you don't. If you do, praise God, still do or try to do 100 acts of generosity with your time, your talent, things like that. And then attend church weekly. I'm so serious, guys. We don't know the power that we hold. And because we don't know, we walk around and do nothing with it. 
We say that we want things like revival and that we want things like healings and miracles and signs and wonders. And we may be honest and sincere in our want of those, but does that sincerity match the lengths you're willing to go to get it? The distance between you and your breakthrough, do you know what the dis- that distance is? I'm not actually going to do it because I don't know if I can get back up, but it's the distance from standing to, to your knees. The Lord told me something about prayer. He said, Rachel, the breakthrough that you need in your life can be found on your knees. There's a difference between praying to the Lord and tarrying and seeking the Lord, right? Day after day and pleading with him for those things that you want. Plead with the Lord. That's not a bad thing. I think we, we think that we're annoying the Lord when we have to go to him time and time again for the same thing. Right? Doesn't it feel like, oh, I, that must mean I, I don't have faith that he's doing it. Right? There's that doubt that creeps in. Again, it's about your faith. But the word says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that you can do those things. Pray that the will of God would be done in your life. Pray night and day until you see his kingdom come on earth. Let me just tell you that, again, we do not know the power that we hold. So I'm going to tell you what it should feel like, and some of you won't understand this, but it's like when you're pregnant. When you first realize that you have or are with child, everything you do all of a sudden becomes about that baby. Literally, it changes the way you walk. It changes the way you think a lot of how you think. It changes how you eat. It literally, you are consumed with the idea that there is life inside of you. But guys, that is how we should be acting now because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The Spirit of the living God is inside of you. And I can tell that you don't understand it yet, and that's okay. We should be walking around and every thought is, Lord, what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What miracle do you want me to release in your name? We should be thinking wholly how ourselves have changed because the Holy Spirit's inside of us. The word says that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is inside of you. And when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, greater works than these will you do. And he was referring to raising the dead and casting out demons and healing arms and eyes and legs, everything. And we're sitting here and we have not seen those things. Some of us may have, some of us lucky few may have because there are absolutely ministries that walk in that anointing. But I'm telling you, it can be here, and it can be you if you know how to access that power inside of you. Do you want me to tell you how? It is through prayer, and it is through 
spending time with God that you will find out how he wants you to do it. And I'm not just talking about, oh, Lord, please bless me for today. Take care of my kids. Please don't let me say anything stupid. I say that one a lot, actually, because I tend to talk before I think. (laughs) But those are good prayers to start with. But I'm talking about being honest with the Lord. Because how many of you know that we don't always tell God exactly what we're thinking or how we're feeling? So I'm going to tell you, um, I lost my mom to cancer probably 16 or 17 years ago now. And um, I asked the Lord. I was pitching a fit. Because I was like, Lord, I prayed and believed that you would heal her. And you didn't. Kind of like Joshua did when he was like, he lost a battle. And he's like, Lord, I told all these people that you were with me. And now you made me lose and I look so dumb. Like, that's how he was talking to the Lord. So that's how I was talking. I was like, Lord, I told everybody you would heal my mom. And it's my mom. Like, why? Why didn't you heal her? Right? And I told, I was like, I am mad at you. I'm mad. And do you know what he told me? You guys are going to laugh. This is how the Lord and I talk to each other, right? He goes, who are you? Who are you to tell me that I didn't heal her? I know. Ooh, I felt like I had just gotten spanked by the Lord. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right, God. But what that taught me, what that taught me was, A, healing doesn't always look like what you think it will, right? And so when you're praying for healing over people, I pray out loud that I release the right of what it looks like. So I pray, right, that they're healed, and I walk away believing. But I give God the right to heal how he wants. But it also taught me that the more vulnerable and open I am with the Lord, that he answers me back in a vulnerable and open way. Now, that's not, he is the almighty God, and he doesn't have to answer you. But when I get real, and when I tune my ear to him, those are the nuggets that he gives me. So I just dare you right now to be honest and real with the Lord, and watch how he'll answer you. We're walking around begging him for miracles in our lives, in the lives of our friends, and in the lives of our coworkers, but we're not tarrying for it. So consistent prayer is so powerful. I know I said tarry, and some of you guys are like, what is that? What does that mean? It is to pray until it happens, no matter how long that takes. You know, it's also kind of similar to long-suffering, which is a fruit of the Spirit, so get acquainted with it because it brings endurance of character just like experiencing physical trials. But it's so powerful, this, this concept of tarrying, that the Lord taught it to his disciples. In Luke 18... One through eight, 
hold on, I got to turn my paper here. The Lord tells the story of the persistent widow. So it says, one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them they must never give up. Oh, look at that. Thank you, Lord, for being so clear and concise on what this parable is supposed to mean. It is to teach us the need for constant prayer and show us that we must never give up. So he said there was a judge in a certain city who was a godless man with great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly. Appealing for justice. So a widow of that city came to him repeatedly, appealing for justice against someone that had harmed her. Do you think it's funny that God used a woman in this story? I do. Some of you don't get my joke yet, but listen. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. That is like a trait that I think all women kind of have is to nag. What is that politely trying to say? She was nagging the judge. Now, that's not a great quality. So ladies, maybe like, let's try not to. But um, so the judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. He said, I fear neither God nor man, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this evil judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who plead with him day and night? Will he get, keep putting it off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. I truly think if this concept of prayer and tarrying would, if we would embrace this, I think the situations in our lives and in this world would change. The responsibility that all of us have as Christians is to pull the spiritual into the natural. What do I mean by that? The opening part of the Lord's Prayer says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's how he taught them to pray. We should be praying and pleading with the Lord day and night to make his kingdom on earth and his will being done in our lives. If we would pray like that, can you imagine the miracles and the signs and wonders he would release through you? Because we're in tune with what he wants to do in your life. So no more guessing, should I take this job? Should I do this? Should I do this? Because you are in tune with his will. Every day, day and night, pleading with him for his will in your life. You can't tell me that you wouldn't be walking in a way that no one else in this room is. That's how I can get up and talk to you right now is because I know the Lord told me to. But we have to understand who we are in Christ. 
It comes first when we go to the Lord and say, Lord, who have you made me to be? And he'll show you in his word that you are the son or daughter of a king, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are the head and not the tail, and we are above and not below, and we can do what he's called us to do, and we can say what he's called us to say and be what he wants us to be. But we doubt those things when we do not spend time in his word. And we offer little half-hearted prayers here and there. We pray safe. We pray safe. And so we get safe things. But you don't change in an atmosphere of safe. And you don't grow in an atmosphere of safe. God has called you to be more and to do more. And the only way you know that is by seeking his will in your life. To spend the hours or the minutes or the moments on your knees crying out to him. There is breakthrough available for you and some of you are too proud to do it. Because it looks silly. Or pray, I dare you, pray out loud and on your knees. Ooh, you would just unlock a whole secret of things. Because the only thing more powerful than a thought is a spoken word. So say it. He has called, ooh, okay, he has called some of you to say things and do things and you're not. And you are refusing to operate in the will of God because you're scared. And it is okay to be scared. It's okay. Do you know when he called Gideon? Do you know that Gideon put him to the test? And he delivered on all these tests to show Gideon he was serious. But Gideon listened. And then, this is the part that people miss about Gideon. Y'all, this isn't even in my notes, but I feel it so strongly from the Holy Spirit. When Gideon was about to attack the, ar the army and win the battle with his little tiny 300 men, the Lord said, had already told him he was going to be victorious, but the Lord said, do you want to know or do you want a sign that I'm telling the truth? Come on, has the Lord ever told you, do you want a sign? Not you asking for a sign. Gideon had already asked three times for a sign and the Lord delivered. But then the Lord asked him, do you want a sign? And Gideon said, yes. So the Lord gave him a sign in his victory, which assured Gideon to run up and go pounce on the enemy. And he won. So it is okay to sometimes have those scared thoughts. But if you are in commune with God, if you are in the presence of his spirit, you cannot fail that if he told you he was going to do it, he will do it. Spend the time with him. Spend it with him because he's been asking you for it. And we've gotten so numb to his voice that we ignore it. But he is there asking to be with you. I always think about verse 17 in James where it says Elijah was just a man. Because I am, I love miracles. And I think they're so amazing. And I so desperately want to see one. Like a, like a physical healing type of a thing where someone's leg grows or arm grows back. I want to see that. Or someone raised to life. I want to see it. 
And so Elijah was just a man, but yet when he prayed earnestly for no rain, no rain fell for three and a half years. And so I think like, man, when I get to heaven, I cannot wait to see Elijah and be like, Elijah, what was it like when you called down fire and when you called for no rain and what was it like? And do you know what he's going to say back? Rachel, what was it like having the Holy Spirit live inside of you? The Holy Spirit did not fall until Acts. That means the prophets had no Holy Spirit yet. They had a different connection with the Lord. What are you doing with the Holy Spirit inside of you? What are you doing with it? Because it's there and it is yours to access in prayer and spending time with him. The, the band can come to the stage. But Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't just teach this model, right? He just didn't teach about persistent prayer through the parables. He modeled it. In Matthew 26, 36 through 44, we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You guys already know, he is preparing himself to endure the crucifixion. So it says, then Jesus brought them to an olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go on ahead and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began to be filled with anguish and deep distress. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell face down on the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet, I want your will and not mine. Then he returned to his disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, could you not stay awake and watch with me for even one hour? Keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body is weak. Again, he left them and prayed, My father, if this cup of suffering cannot be taken away until I drink it, your will be done. He returned to them again and found them sleeping, for they just couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went back and prayed a third time, saying, the same things again. The power that lives inside of us, inside of you and inside of me, is activated through prayer. It's activated through reading the word. Jesus' whole life was characterized from going from a moment of prayer to performing miracles, signs, and wonders. And then you'd always find him off in the distance alone praying. 
And then whenever he left that time of prayer, miracles would follow. And after praying all night in the garden, praying the same prayer at least three times, and once for sure on his face and knees, after praying that prayer multiple times, it was an absolute miracle that he was able to endure the crucifixion and still remain our pure and perfect lamb. Amen. The strength that you need, the joy that you need, the breakthrough that you need, the release, it's here and it can be found in prayer. I know that I know that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit wants to release these things. Revival is coming. It is coming. I feel it in my spirit. It is close. And I want to be a part. I don't just want to experience it, but I want to deliver it. And that is found in his sweet, sweet presence. Maybe you're here today and you've let those lies, those doubts, kind of take over your prayer life. Maybe God didn't heal someone the way that you thought he would. Maybe he didn't answer you. Maybe he didn't deliver you like you wanted him to. So you're not praying right now. There's no condemnation for those that are found in Jesus. Amen. I'm not here to condemn you. But I'm here to say it's as simple as today is your day one. Today you can start again on your way home. Seek him in prayer. Even if it's stumbling and clearly I couldn't say continuing firmly or something I don't even know but at the beginning of the sermon I couldn't say those words together even if it sounds like that he's excited the Lord told me this um, and I, I talk a lot about my kids sorry but the Lord tells me through their situations what's going on so one night I had woken up because I had heard Titus crying this is when he was much younger I'd heard Titus crying in his crib so, I mean, if, you, if you're a mom, you know, you kind of wake up and your heart's like, <gasps> you're startled awake and you're, you hear it and you rush to them. And the Lord told me, he said, Rachel, that's how I have my ear tuned to you. That when you even cry out, dear Jesus, his heart <gasps> beats a little bit faster and his breath catches and he bends down to listen to what you need. That's how he thinks about you. He loves when you talk to him. You are never a bother. No matter how many times you pray the same prayer, it shows him that you can be trusted with the things that he's telling you to pray about. So start today. Take the 100-day challenge. Riley mentioned we're nine days into it. That's okay. Make today your day one. You'll just end nine days after us. But your life will be radically changed if you earnestly seek him these next 100 days. Start with the 15 minutes. By the end of the 100 days, you'll be like, 15 minutes is not enough. 
I need an hour. It may be multiple times throughout the day to make an hour. The Lord never says you have to spend an hour continuously with me or else it doesn't count. We put those expectations on ourselves. We do that. Why? That's so dumb. Pray without ceasing. That means whenever you're in a moment in between things, praise him and seek his face. And as long as you have breath, praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right.